Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and today's devotional study is entitled, Another Angel, Warning Repeated. Please be sure to visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our Bible study resources, our previous episodes, and much, much more. Our passage for this study is Revelation 18, 1 through 5. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Before we get into this study, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy, your love, your goodness. We thank you for your messages, your messages of warning. Please help us to understand them as we read them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another angel, warning repeated. As we have been dealing with in our past two episodes, We're looking at the messages in Revelation 14, which highlight the warnings that God has given us, the crucial warnings, crucial messages to an end-time world. Now, when we did the three messages, first message was fairly short, worship God, which God, creator of heaven and earth, because the hour of his judgment has come. And the second message was Babylon is fallen, really fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. If you noticed, and we did mention it, in verse 7, the first angel proclaimed with a loud voice. In verse 8, there is no mention of a loud voice. In verse 9, we're back to hearing a loud voice. But in Revelation 18, 1 through 5, which we read for our passage, it says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice. Okay, so this brother is loud. And he repeats a lot of what was said. This starts with Babylon is fallen, is fallen. He says, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become 
the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And then again, reiteration, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Okay, that's an important phrase. So it's not only, not only has this apostate church system intermingled with the state, the nations of the earth, but she's intermingled with the merchants of the earth. So she's involved in politics and in commerce. And she's involved inappropriately in both politics and commerce. In fact, she's selling. The merchants have gotten rich through selling what she sells selling what she offers, selling what she has. So the nations, the states, have entertained and accepted and imbibed her doctrines, and the merchants have obtained and sold her wares and gotten rich thereby. So in the three angels' messages, the three crucial messages, the first message loud and strong. Second message is made briefly. The third message, loud and strong. But now this angel, not just flying in the midst of heaven, he comes down from heaven and the earth is lightened with his glory. He comes down with great power and glory and he cries mightily. So there is a re-emphasis of that second message with an increased urgency because more things have happened, right? Babylon the Great is fallen and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. This is, this is more than just apostasy this is a complete transformation. The transformation that was ongoing that was referenced back in Revelation 14 has culminated in this church system being the habitation of the opposite team, right? A church system that has become the habitation of devils, it's not a good place to be. And the hold of every foul spirit, not a good place to be. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, this is interesting, another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Who can say that? That ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. So we're told what's coming. For her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. It's always interesting in the Bible where the, where the phraseology, God hath remembered, shows up. God doesn't forget anything. God does not forget anything. He chooses to forget sins that have been washed away. But generally speaking, God doesn't forget anything. The Bible tells us, then God remembered Noah. 
God remembers, or the Bible uses that terminology, God remembers when he is about to act. It's when he's turning his attention to something in a very special way. Not that he's inattentive to things at other times. But the difficult thing of describing someone who is in all places at once and who has all knowledge at once and who is, um, you know, knows all things, is everywhere, has all power, is that occasionally there's a need to emphasize him exhibiting or exerting himself in a very specific way. And so language has to be used, which is a little tortured. Um, so it says that God remembered her iniquities, right? It, it's, it's like the explanation for why he's about to do something. Cause nothing is, is accidental. Everything is by design. So it's time. It comes up on God's calendar. Now it's time to deal with those iniquities. And so, he, so all of the action that you see in the rest of the book of Revelation, in the rest of the chapter of Revelation 18, is on account of God remembering it, coming up on God's calendar. Just as when God remembered Noah and set things in motion to get them out of the ark. Another voice from heaven that says, come out of her, my people. The only person who can claim that those people are God's people was God. So the voice of God is heard from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Right? This is a member of the Godhead speaking, indicating that God is about to act, and there's one final call, one final call for his people to get out. Just as God called for Lot and his family to come out of Sodom and Gomorrah so that he could destroy them, God is calling for his people to come out of apostate systems of worship because they're up for judgment. It is time for them to be dealt with, and he cannot deal with them adequately with his people in there. And, you know, there, there's an element of that that is interesting, right? There's an element of that that is interesting. And again, everything in the Bible is done for our benefit. It's worded the way that it's worded. It's presented the way that it's presented to help us to understand. But take, for instance, the three Hebrew young men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were thrown into a fiery furnace, and the people who threw them into that furnace died, but they were protected. And Christ came down and walked with them, and they walked. You ask yourself, why couldn't God do something like that? Why couldn't he destroy the system and just leave his people standing around in that system untouched? And there are two things about that. The There is a slight difference there is a slight difference in what is being asked here, because remember, we're in a symbolic book, so how does this look and, and how the destruction comes about is different. It's not just a matter of some church structures are going to be destroyed and, you know, everyone will die except the people that God doesn't want to die and they'll just walk out. 
There is an aspect of salvation that requires us to move from dangerous areas. We are to be alerted to the danger and we are to make a conscious choice because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there has to be a clear acknowledgement that God's people are choosing to be with him. God is not dragging anyone into heaven. In a previous episode, we dealt with um, Lot and his wife. Now imagine, so we know how the story turns out. Lot, his wife, and their two daughters leave. Lot's wife doesn't follow the instructions completely because she looks back, and while she's being saved, she loses. Right? She's lost in the midst of being saved. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. The two girls are saved physically, but they behave in a very um, vile fashion just a little while later in the mountains. Imagine if God had only had let Lot and his family stay in Sodom and the place had fire and brimstone had come and burned everything up and Lot had then walked out of the ashes and everybody'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why only Lot? We would have no idea or understanding what had just happened there. But the Lord allowed everyone to choose. People had to be warned, and then choices needed to be made. God could have saved Noah without an ark. Right? Because think about it. It's not the physical ark that saved Noah. If God doesn't spare that ark, it'll be just like everything else that got uprooted and destroyed. Right, So the ark is a separation mechanism. It is a way for people to choose which team they're going to be on. And those that get into the ark, God saves specifically. Right, They're saved by the ark, but they're really saved by God who ordained that the ark would be the means of salvation. Right, If 10 arks had been made, if other people had been like, well, I'm not sure about Noah and this thing, so you know what? I'm going to build an ark on the side here. I just need to make it big enough to hold my family. I'm not holding animals and all this other nonsense. I'll just make a small ark, and we'll stay on the side here. And if anything happens, we'll jump in the ark and be good. If other people had made the ark and had followed exactly the instructions, well, they'd have to make it bigger if they were going to follow exactly the instructions. But whatever. Let's say that they followed it exactly and made it 300 cubits by 50, etc., and so on. And they made the ark exactly and they looked and and they kept they you know they were prepared and they made themselves an ark wouldn't go into noah's ark but they made themselves an ark and then noah goes into the ark god closes the door he's there they're still out they're like eh, whatever seven days later it starts to rain they're like oh this thing was real they jump in their ark and close it do you think that ark would have saved them absolutely not because noah wasn't saved by the ark noah was saved by obedience to god it just so happened that God told him to build an ark. But it was obedience to God. It was putting his trust, his faith in God. And so God protected him. Because that ark wasn't any more special. It was made from the wood of trees that all destroyed and perished in the flood. Mountains and everything, the fountains of the deep were broken up. Things were thrown all over the place. The ark only survived because God made the ark survive specifically. Because of obedience. So... We need to understand that when God lets this stuff play out, when he provides this opportunity for people to choose, come out of her, my people, 
God's people will come out. They will obey him. They will find themselves in whatever other structure, into a structure or out of a structure, as is the case might, as the case might be. And they'll find themselves where God puts them and their, their position, their, their decision will be made publicly. It'll be made just like, um, the three Hebrew boys who did not bow down and their standing was a public acknowledgement of their stance for God. It will be made just like Daniel. Him praying in his house was a public recognition of his stance. Joseph running from Potiphar's wife was a public recognition of his stance. We have to stand. We have to take a stance. And then God will protect us in whatever mean, by whatever means God chooses to protect us. The ark of safety is only the ark of safety because God has proscribed it as such. Let's never forget that. When Aaron threw down his rod and became a serpent, and the magicians of Egypt threw down their rods and became serpents, Aaron's serpent ate their serpents and survived. Because it wasn't just looking like a serpent, rod becoming a serpent that was important. It was whether or not God was in it. Another angel comes. The warning is repeated. And a voice from heaven is heard to say, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. We need to leave the structures and the systems that are incorrect because by being in those systems, we participate in the sins of those systems. And by the way, I am not arguing to come out of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Please don't go there. Okay? We're going to do a study on the seven churches of Revelation 2 and 3. And there are only seven churches. There is no eighth church. You can't invent an eighth church. There are only seven coming out of an ark, if Noah had decided to get out of the ark because it was kind of smelly in there after being there for several months, he would have perished. The ark doesn't always smell good. It doesn't have always the best people in it. But where God says to go and be safe, we go and be safe. And if God needs to weed out others who shouldn't be there, he will do so in his time, in his way. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word. We thank you for the messages of the three angels and this fourth angel, which is a reiteration of the second angel. We ask you to meditate, to help us to meditate on these and to study them and to understand them and to recognize that we need to call our friends and our relatives out of the false systems of worship so that they can worship the true God and Jesus Christ, whom God sent. Please bless us and help us to rightly divide your words of truth as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Remember, you can find Rightly Divide the Word of Truth on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, 
Amazon Music, Spotify, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. Please feel free to contact us via email at BibleQuestions at ASPZone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others. And always keep our ministry in your prayers, please. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word.